Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live, where we're digging into the digital revolution taking place all around the world. We're trying to make some sense out of what the pandemic is doing to the business world, the impact it's having there. It certainly had profound and extraordinary influences on our personal lives, certainly spilling over into the business world. And for as horrendous as the last six or seven months have been for so many people, so many families, I think that one of the outcomes of this is some pretty interesting new ways that businesses have adapted to the digital way of operating, the digital way of thinking. And uh, we're going to discuss some of those, you know, interesting trends and uh, perspectives today with one of our monthly guests, our digital all-stars. This is Sean Amirati. We're always thrilled to have Sean with us. He's a venture capitalist. He's a professor in the business school at Carnegie Mellon. He works with big companies on how to think like small, nimble entrepreneurs. He's an author. He's a podcaster. Uh, he set world records in the triathlon. And he just, uh, you know, has begun, I think now his, uh, his golf scores are in the low 50s. So he's one of the most remarkable people on earth, Sean Amirati. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Uh, the, you know, the, the first part of that felt accurate. And then, and then you know, you showed your journalism and, and creative writing <laughs> skills there on the second half. But uh, it's always fun to be here and always fun to, to, to chat about this, this um, revolution that we've been talking about since be before COVID, obviously, of uh, companies moving to the cloud and, and rapidly changing their businesses based on that, shivet, that pivot. But man, it has been an exciting a uh, couple of months uh, on that front here, um, as I think we now settle into uh, life in this sort of COVID environment that we're in. You know, I think March, April, and May, the, there were some interesting just sort of uh, things that needed to get done. And now you're starting to really see some of the, the, the longer term implications pulling things that I think if you go to like the you know, Jeffrey Moore three horizon model, like we're pulling a lot of that far out horizon stuff right back into us. Um, and it's, it's just been interesting to watch how that's been impacting a bunch of these cloud companies. Hey, Sean, I know there's a couple things you wanted to be sure that we talked about today, but I wanted to ask you, you know, with the work you do uh, at Carnegie Mellon, the corporate startup lab uh, project and program that you helped develop there, can you offer like a couple things maybe that through these last six or seven months, are there like a couple of big picture learnings that, that have come out for the, both for these companies and for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So what I've observed is the things that executives would come talk to us about before COVID. And they would talk about as this is something that's going to happen five to 10 years from now. In so many of those industries now, they're talking about that happening right now, <laughs> right? So it's not like, oh, so, so I'll just do three quick examples, right? Telehealth. Oh, five to 10 years from now, people are going to get their healthcare over their, over their phone and in a video chat-like like environment. Uh, that's going to happen in five to 10 years. Now, when you talk to healthcare executives, it's like that's happening right now. Education, right? You know, higher ed and I think education is important to, to, segment, to segment between K-12 and higher ed. K-12, you know, we have two kids. I cannot wait to get my children back into a classroom when it's safe for them to get back into a classroom because this is just not working. Like everybody's doing the best they can. I appreciate that, but this is just bluntly not working. My daughter and son's teachers, they care deeply about these kids, but you can't translate a third grade classroom 
into Zoom. It just doesn't work. I think people are looking at that and saying, oh, I bet the same thing's true in college and, and higher ed. I'm not sure it is, actually. I think higher ed, there's a lot of things we talked about that were going to happen five to 10 years from now that we're going to feel happen this, this kind of academic year and next academic year. And a third example is grocery delivery, right? We, for, for years, people talked about like, well, sometime in the future, people will deliver groceries. Look at the growth in Instacart, Amazon's Whole Food, uh, via the Amazon app, Whole Food grocery delivery. Um, what you've seen is like th this curbside pickup, grocery delivery, like that has, again, accelerated. And so, so all these things that we thought of as over the horizon, things we need to start planning for in the future, COVID has sort of shortened that cycle. And so it's happening right now. Now, one thing I think that's interesting about that is the businesses are reacting to that, but are they actually leveraging the, this and actually sort of growing out of that? And I think where you're seeing this sort of separation start to happen is that some are saying, okay, my customer segment and my value prop has changed, but I want to cling to my historical business model. And, and, and you know, I think that is a fraught with risk strategy. Whereas you're seeing other businesses where they're like, okay, customer segment has, has changed with a different value prop interaction with me. Now I need to also transform my business model. And so a lot of the things that we were talking about, which were like, okay, in five years, when telehealth is important, when online education is important, when grocery delivery and sort of the, when that happens, you're going to need to have business model transformation as well. You've seen the product and the value prop accelerate, but not necessarily the, the business model catch up with it. And I think that that is the next challenge for this. We're going to be, um, and, and you know, Bob, you're, you're going to participate in this, so hopefully you're okay with me mentioning this quickly. We're going to be talking a lot about this in our upcoming Corporate Startup Lab Forum this November, right, where we've titled this year's forum, A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste, because we really feel like um, this crisis has been this great accelerant, and now the question is, can you take advantage of that acceleration or not? And so we're going to try to do case studies of different companies and, and how they've done that and use that as an inspiration for other companies to, to think about how they can do that in their businesses as well. Well, Sean, that's, uh, that is striking. I knew that whatever your answer was going to be to that question, it was going to be intriguing. But to talk about things five or 10 years being pulled into you know, the, the present, it, it, it's really extraordinary, but it's also one of those things that shows this, um, you know, the, the future, you could say the future is now, but it's, it is, these things are within our grasp. So all the things you talk about on a regular basis, you know, innovation, speed, business model, change, moving things along, they, they, these weren't things where those folks had to go out and defy the laws of physics or anything to make this happen. It was just matching up, as you said, the value proposition, customer behavior, and what's the business model. And it was interesting to hear you say that the business model is lagging. So Sean is maybe a, an accelerant for other people or as a spur to get them going. I want to give credit, I think, where it is due, at least in perhaps the food delivery example. I, I think uh, of all the great thinkers in the world, it was Homer Simpson, I believe, who was, uh, you know, triggered this revolution in some way because uh, in one episode, <laughs> Homer's out uh, shopping for a deep fryer because he wants <laughs> to, uh, for, I forget the reason, but he wants to deep fry a buffalo. And a salesman in one store points to this one thing and he says, oh, yeah, he said, that'll, that'll deep fry a buffalo in 30 seconds. But Homer says, but I want it now. So uh, when five to 10 years seems extraordinary, right, 
uh, we're also kind of the point where, you know, maybe 30 seconds is too long for people to wait. And then, you know, there's home delivery and will home delivery lead to, I don't want the food delivered. I want hot food on the table so that I don't have to cook, peel, slice, dice, you know, and so on. What a crazy world, Sean. It, it is. And I think also there's another lesson in this, right? Which is the why now for around innovation, right? I mean, you know, you and I knew each other when this was going on 20 years ago, but remember when the CEO of Accenture left to go join Webvan, right? And then uh, that ultimately ended up being uh, quite a swing and a miss in terms of, um, of you know, stars. And, and if you read, if you go back and you read the coverage when Webvan failed, right, everybody sort of hung it out to dry it's just what it turns out people really like going to the grocery store like what what did we learn from that oh we learned people really love to go to the grocery store <laughs> uh, no that that wasn't what what we learned was that that idea was too early the market wasn't ready for it yet there were all the pieces that needed to be put into place to make webvan successful they weren't in place yet and so it wasn't that um, webvan was a bad idea it's that it was too early. The, the problem in innovation is that when you're too early, that's a lot like being wrong. Another famous example of this, and then we can move on, but like think about pets.com, right? Uh, pick any journalist who covered the pets.com implosion, right? And they were easy to take shots at because they had the Super Bowl commercial and lots of things. Like, but if you read the articles, what you'll hear is that actually people really like going to the pet store to buy their pet supplies. Uh, Chewy has a $20 billion market cap today that would sh say something very, very different. It wasn't that Chewy was right and Pets.com was wrong. They were both right, but Pets.com was, was too early. And the problem around innovation is that when you're too early, you're the same as wrong. Now to tie this back to the accelerant, right? If you think about what we've had happen in the last couple of months, we've had a lot of things that probably would have been too early in January of this year, that the time is now now. Right, that, that we've gone from too early to, to right now. And so I think small companies, big companies, all of us, what we need to do is we need to get even more committed to this innovation right now because there's so much opportunity as we're having these, these sort of time horizons shrink. Yeah, yeah. Sean, I know one of the things that I recall from the uh, collapse of Webvan was somebody said, you know, I think it's a good idea, but it's like... Uh, they developed the next generation of bologna slicer and it was a nuclear powered bologna slicer, you know, maybe yeah. just a little more than Mark needed, but Shana, interesting. I, I like your distinction there about if you're too early, it's the same as if you're wrong. And because in some ways you are wrong, you know, you right. had an idea that the market isn't ready for, so it's, it's not the right thing, but that's right. Wow. Has this, uh, have these six, seven months changed things. So it's pretty extraordinary. And, Sean, I would say that if we look, you know, back in the old world, January, February of this year, if somebody had said to you, uh, you know, Oracle could be interested in an ownership position in TikTok, and you'd say, nah, that's, you know, anybody could figure that. So you'd say, okay, how about Oracle plus Walmart taking ownership position in TikTok? I mean, this is, this is literally an insane um and and i i don't want to take credit for this joke because i saw it on twitter and i i saw a bunch of people made it at the same time but this is the perfect way to summarize it right this is the world's most expensive cloud procurement process right i mean literally i i these guys 
like this just makes no sense at all. It makes zero sense for them to get into this business. Um, maybe it will be a good investment, maybe not. But even if it makes money, even if the investment makes money, there's no way that this is from an opportunity cost perspective, a good way for either of those companies to spend their capital, right? Like, like there are bets that you can make that make sense around sort of hedging for the future, but this is not that. And there are so many better ways for them to use their capital. And, uh, you know, we'll come back to this again. Slack's market cap right now is $15 billion. So, so we're talking about like a relatively similar situation here. Like there is the leverage Oracle could get out of bringing a company like Slack into the fold versus the leverage of getting into a business that frankly, those guys just don't understand um, is, is just crazy. And, and it's, you know, I understand there's some value in having TikTok as a great Oracle cloud reference customer, which is why, again, the, the, the joke is sort of funny because it's got just enough truth to it, right? Like there is some value to that, but it's not, it's not that much, it's not that kind of value. And, and this just, I don't know, this, the strategy makes no sense to me. Um, you know, I, I wish the best for, for every tech company, right? So I hope I'm wrong on this, but I do not understand how at some point in the future, they're not gonna be saying like, well, that was a massive distraction. And at, in a time when all the things that companies, you know, enterprise tech is going through that same progression that we talked about in the other three areas, right? We're, we're changing how we work and therefore we're changing the tools that we need to allow us to work and these cloud tools are only more valuable. And so in a point of just rapid transformation and rapid opportunity for a company like Oracle, why would you get distracted with a B2C mobile app that's ad supported and targets, you know, young teens? It just this just makes this just makes no sense at all and and I don't I just think it's a I think it's a loser. I, I really, I really uh, don't say that with any sense of joy. I would, I would prefer every tech company make the right investments and make smart investments, but this one just, it makes no sense to me at all. Well, Sean, I'm not trying to play devil's advocate because I, you know, I, I hate that attack, uh, but um, how about, you know, uh, a couple things, you know, Larry Olson says that if, uh, if people are not calling you crazy, either frequently enough or vigorously enough, you're not pushing hard enough. Sure. Um, now he, the, the bigger picture, right? And I know you, you refer to the cloud procurement thing, but they're starting to gain some significant momentum among customers and even also among some analysts who've, you know, generally just scoffed at anything Oracle tried to do on the infrastructure side of the cloud. And I realized I wrote this the other day, you know, Amazon's cloud revenue is probably 30 or 40 times larger than Oracle's and Microsoft's is 15 times higher and Google's two or three times higher, but he's trying to establish Oracle as a player and he's starting to get some momentum there. And I think, you know, Larry Ellison of all people knows you don't have much time to do this. So given that sort of extraordinary circumstance, um, you know, perhaps what they're trying to do is say, Hey, all in all, maybe, you know, this isn't a, a classic strategic 
way to do things, but we're in a different sort of situation. We've got to make some extreme moves. You know, it, could that be part of what's behind it? I mean, he's definitely crazy. So he's checked that box. I mean, and, 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 you know, like the, the challenge in my mind with, with this is like, there are crazy moves he's made in the past, I think that have played out well. So like, I suspect the sun thing would be, would be sort of evidence that he would point to as like, okay, this, this, this strategy sometimes works, but there's a difference between doing something that's so ambitious and so so crazy that it accelerates your your sort of growth, right? So I think that Sun was a great example of that versus like just causing a massive distraction for your leadership team for a long period of time. And I don't know how this doesn't just become a massive distraction. Even for a company like Oracle, this is a lot of money. This is going to be a very controversial thing. Like social media is just a controversial thing right now. There's really important and challenging conversations happening across society right now around tech addiction and the right way to do social media and the wrong way to do social media. And frankly, if you're an enterprise tech CEO, you should be thanking your lucky stars that you're not part of those conversations, right? Mr. Ellison doesn't have to go to Washington to go testify because he's out of this and he can sort of leave that to the Apples and the Amazons and the Facebooks of the world. Now he's put himself right in the middle of that conversation and it's 100% a distraction. Like it's just a massive distraction. So if he wants to go do some really ambitious things, to get into the cloud infrastructure space, um, that's there are plenty of other companies you could go buy that would probably also be perceived as a little crazy, but would be accelerants against the strategy. Getting one consumer social network to use your infrastructure, this just seems like a, a terrible way to get kind of a terrible reference customer too. Like, are they really gonna use TikTok as their example to convince the next healthcare company that they should be running on top of the Oracle cloud. I, I mean, if I'm a CIO at a healthcare company, that's a, I mean, that's, that's going to be like a joke. Like, and is it's pretty transparent. Like this has been widely covered how they got TikTok to be a, a customer. So I think there's things they could do. I also, for what it's worth and, you know, the people at Oracle are are really smart. So I'm, I'm sure they have thought this through in a way that I'm just missing. But if, if I were advising Oracle, I'd also be thinking about how much do I want to play to sort of grow the cloud infrastructure place where I'm, where I'm frankly playing catch up versus doubling down on the things that I'm best in class in. And this is again, where I think a company like if you're, if you're gonna go make a big splash, this is where a company like Slack becomes particularly interesting, right? Because now you're playing to your strengths instead of playing to your, playing to try to sort of catch up with, with your peer companies. Uh, you know, I think Oracle, they have great CIO relationships. You know, Larry's always been creative in terms of, of sales and, and aggressive customer acquisition, um, sometimes with some criticism around it. But uh, you know, it's like 
the 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 jet is one way to get a deal done you know a, a multi-billion dollar investment is a is a very different different thing i think it comes with different implications i mean you could go pick up some companies like that do some really creative m a where there is still synergy and i think you would probably still be called crazy from wall street for a little while because it, it's it's going to take folks time to catch up with you but it would be like crazy against the mission and vision of a business like oracle this just more like insane than crazy like I, it just doesn't hang together for me it's like instead of doing something that's sort of ambitious a big swing maybe it works out maybe it doesn't but if it works out it, you end up really having it be a, a major inflection point in terms of enterprise value this feels like crazy and if it works out it's just a headache for you and if it doesn't work out, it's a waste. That's just not a good bet to make if you're if you're sitting in the the C-suite at Oracle right now, from, from my perspective. Okay. All right. All right. So Sean, to summarize, uh, Sean approves of uh, <laughs> Oracle TikTok. Hey, Sean, I got one more question, but I uh, I want to just take time out for a word here from our sponsor, uh, BMC. BMC wants to know: Is your business on its A game? It's when systems are intelligent by learning from markets where automation is paramount yet effortless and when technology and people work as one in an enterprise. The A game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com slash A game. Sean, so let me ask you one thing and it has to do with a number of the themes we've talked about here today. Uh, speed, hyper-evolution, opportunities, the changing world, and, and where stuff's headed. Um, there was, a, 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 at an investors, Deutsche Bank Investors Conference last week, Microsoft, one of Microsoft's executive, a corporate vice president of Azure Engineering named Tom Keen, or Kane, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce his last name, but he was their guest. And he talked about a lot of interesting stuff, but at one point, he described how Microsoft is putting a huge amount of energy into creating industry-specific solutions around data and where data is and data solutions and data schemas are going to be part of the way that Microsoft differentiates itself. So my larger question, you know, in that is this, you've got uh, Google with Thomas Kurian started it this year where Google, the great infrastructure player, suddenly becomes an applications or a new gen applications player. Sounds like Microsoft's doing the same thing. And Oracle already with so much in the data category and applications and it has a vertical market business. Um, I, my, my point or my question is that we are seeing a redefinition of the cloud happening incredibly fast and I think with huge implications. So for years, you know, everybody thought the cloud was these big data center companies and, you know, they still do an extraordinary job and that's a big part of it. But I think now what cloud is, is so much more than that. And, and it's forcing, uh, we can no longer just sort of lump and say the infrastructure, you know, folks are over here and the applications people are over here and the platform people are there. It is becoming a jumble with everybody, I think, racing to get to the new highest level value that customers want. So do you have a thought on that? So I didn't, I didn't see the quote from the gentleman at Microsoft that you mentioned, but in general, right, when I think about uh, network effects in the future, right, 
I think that what you're going to see increasingly in enterprise tech is that data network effects are going to be massive moats in the future. And, and, and just for, for a moment here, because we, we often use network effects and mean economies of scale. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about truly network effects. So the concept being that every time you add another node to the network, the network over our be all becomes more valuable, right? So, you know, two cell phones, you add a third cell phone, all three of those cell phones are more valuable, right? So that, that's how I'm using the term network effect here in the, the sort of classic Metcalf sense of that word. I think you're gonna see data networks be moats for enterprise tech going forward. And what becomes important when you think about this, and this is what people often miss is, it's not the nodes themselves that have value, but it's the ties between those nodes. So three cell phones that can't talk to each other don't really have any value by themselves. Mm -hmm. It's the ties between the three that become valuable, right? And so when I think about these data network effects on a go forward basis, I think what you're going to see is these enterprise tech companies getting really good at figuring out how to make ties across these different data modes to create network effects, these, these data network effects again, and build you know, transformational products on, on top of that. And I think you can't do that in a horizontal way. You have to do that in a vertical way. So again, without the benefit of having read the quote from the gentleman at Microsoft that you mentioned and, and being able to put it in context, my reaction from what you said is absolutely makes a ton of sense because I think what you're going to see is these, these vertical data solutions allow you to create a lot of ties across those data modes to create one large data set, which has a network effect around it and an incredibly interesting products and services built on top of that. And so uh, you can do this in ways when you do it on a vertical by vertical basis as well for what it's worth, where you protect the individual client's data, but you derive really interesting insights across where you can't go back and figure out any one individual client's answer, right? So imagine you know, that you have 300 healthcare companies that all have data in your infrastructure and you're deriving insights across all 300 to make all 300 better. As long as you know, Kaiser can't figure out what UPMC is doing, you've protected the individual data privacy, but you've derived insights across that. Why this becomes important to be verticalized like that, right, is that it becomes much, much harder to say, here's how Kaiser works, here's how BMW works, let's drive insights there. So, so I think that's why you're gonna see these, these vertical data products become so interesting. This also, by the way, is going to lead to some really interesting business model conversations around a lot of these companies, because if you're giving data to get that value back, we, we may need to think about different, different revenue models than the revenue models that most of these companies are talking to their uh, clients in today. This is where, <clears throat> again, I think Microsoft has been a leader in this with, for example, the, the Kroger partnership on the, the retail solution space, for example, or the, um, the pharmaceutical partnership, right? You're, you're starting to see them start to evolve their business model to, to keep up with this. And now what you've got, if you're one of these enterprise tech players is like, okay, I've got a bunch of customers that I have this different partnership with. 
I have data that I'm going to protect on an individual basis, but when I atomize it and aggregate it and derive insights from it, I'm protecting the individual data, but getting the insights back. And now I'm, I'm raising the efficiency and effectiveness of the entire industry. That's magical. And, and I, think we, I think 2021, 2022 is where you're going to start to see a lot of these, for lack of a better term, data-based internal startups, where it's like a, you start with the data exhaust, you create new products and services, and they become massive business units inside these enterprise tech players. I think we're going to see a ton of these data-based corporate startups over the next um, kind of year, two years of, of time. And that's going to be awesome. And and just because this ties right back into what we were talking about before, right? Who should be at the front of this? It shouldn't be Microsoft. I mean, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of great things about Microsoft, but but that, this screams Oracle. Mm-hmm. Like like mm-hmm. this absolutely screams Oracle. And by the way, it screams Oracle across their whole suite. Like this also screams Oracle at the the NetSuite level for the SMBs as well. This is meaty, interesting challenges that if if I'm sitting inside Oracle, that, that's where I'd want my opportunity cost going to. And, and I get it. It's a big company. They can walk and chew gum at the same time. Sure. But you hit the hornet's nest that is consumer privacy and wait till the first thing happens where some 14-year-old girl does something on TikTok that causes a, a front page article in the New York Times. That's going to distract the entire management team at Oracle for a few days. And that's a, that's a big problem when they should be doing things like this, which could be absolutely magical. I mean, we could talk about Oracle in many ways going back to their roots. Remember, this started as this, as this data system, right? going back to their roots and reimagining tech for the future here. Like, I just, it's, it's baffling to me that they're not doing this. But it, you know, kudos to Microsoft. And many of the other players out there, I think what TK is doing at, at Google as well, and you know, the, um, the product that it's uh, Google launched this sort of Airtable competitor this week. I don't know if you, if you saw that or not on, on the app side, right? Like there's, there's some really interesting chess pieces moving around the board right now. And it just feels like, like um, you know, it's going to be fascinating to watch how this plays out, but, but man, Things have been teed up well for them, and I just, again, I feel like this this TikTok thing is just is just a swing and a miss. I hope I'm wrong because I really do want every tech company to be successful. I think, you know, technology is important for the future, and we want these tech companies to be successful. But I just don't get it at all. But yeah, I I love where we're going with these vertical data solutions for what it's worth, Bob. Well, Sean, thanks. Uh, you know, your notion there about the network effect and the the data solutions and. Uh, data networks become moats for enterprise technology. You know, fascinating stuff, Sean, as always. So thanks so much for being here and uh, the great observations on things. Anybody who doubts that the future is now, listen to Sean's thoughts on these things were five or 10 years out there happening today. And those aren't isolated, right? Sean's going to happen all over. So thanks as always, pal. Great to see you. Thank you, Bob. Thanks to all of you folks for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. We look forward to seeing you soon. Stay well. Hope you're enjoying these early days of fall and we'll see you again soon.